Friendship, for example, is a real gift. It's an insane world. But in it, there is one sanity. The loyalty of old friends. You're the best friends anybody ever had. Alone, bad friend, good. Bubba was my best good friend. I had to make sure that he was okay. Friendship and family. These are things that matter. We just become best friends. Yep. Touch my friends again and I'll buy you. Thanks, Mike. You're my best friend here. Lose one friend. Lose all friends. Lose yourself. We ride together. We die together. Bad boys for life. That's what friends are for, right? Friends? Friends. Louis, I think this is the beginning of a beautiful friendship. If you're not over here in 15 minutes, you can find a new best friend. You've been saying that since the fifth grade. Welcome to the I Am Your Friend podcast. I am your host, Aiden Licker. Thank you so much for tuning in for another exciting episode of uh, friendship or whatever the fuck we do here. We. It's me by myself. Uh, another solo episode for you. Unfortunately, I had uh, a guest cancel. Well, two guests cancel um, twice. I don't know how to say that. Uh, I had a guest scheduled for before I left for vacation that unfortunately had to cancel. And then I had one scheduled for today that unfortunately also had to cancel. But the show must go on, as we say in the biz here at my parents' house. Um, Yeah, so it's all good, though, dude. It's all good. I just got back from vacation, which was awesome. It was the first vacation I went on in three years. Um, that wasn't like a bachelor party or I don't know, some people might consider tour vacation. It's not, uh, it was actually a week that I took completely off of work. Didn't check into work once felt awesome. Uh, spent every day on the beach, uh, and hung out and with my fam and it was a great time. Uh, and it did wonders for my mental health. So I'm feeling refreshed. I'm feeling good. Wanted to still get an episode to you guys because that's how we do it here at my parents' house. Uh, all right, I'm done making that joke. Yeah, man. Um, feeling real good. Feeling I was in such a good mood today. Like just to be like got home last night and like today got a bunch of shit done and then just like chilled and relaxed and uh, you know got my shit in order ready to get back to work and uh, I'm stoked for it. Vacation time rips, I'll tell you. Um, but yeah, no, things are cool. Uh, real bummed about the guests that got canceled, but hopefully we can get both of them back on um, when they are available. Uh, and then we're going to have to see what the fuck goes on over the next few weeks. I'm going to still try to put out an episode every week. However, I leave for tour again uh, next week. Heading out uh, with Super American again on the Mom Jeans tour. Um, come check it out uh, if it's coming anywhere near you. Most of you guys are in Buffalo, I know, but uh, we're playing Toronto and Cleveland and uh, New York and a couple other places within a certain distance. Going to be a really really cool venue, so I'm super excited. Uh, Going to be doing merch and uh, guitar teching. Always a good time. Super excited to get back on the road with those guys, but. What's cool about it is that we get uh, a few stops home uh, in between some of the weeks or in between some of the dates. We get to stop home a few times. So hopefully I could figure out some scheduling and get some podcast episodes in. So nothing even stops uh, on this side of the house because I love doing this. I still want to put episodes out weekly. Um, You know, I've thought about. I've been given the suggestion of like trying to do episodes remotely, but it's, I think it's just too difficult. Um, you know, 
I suppose I could just like record them on my phone, but that would sound like shit and there would be no video part of that. And that's boring Um, because we do things high quality here, baby. Okay, we got the microphones and the lights and the camera that I spent too much money on uh, because I invest in myself. All right. That's how it works around here. And it's what you got to do as far as things that I'm uh, thinking about lately. I started listening to an audiobook. Okay, let's start there, right? I'm listening to an audiobook. If you guys listen to audiobooks, when you finish that book, do you tell people that you read it to feel better about yourself? I feel like that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to be like, oh, yeah, I read that book. Didn't listen to it, you know? Um, but does it, it's this, you retained the same information, right? It's still a book, I guess, right? You just consumed it in a different way. I still consider that a read book. Um, let me know. What do you guys think? You know, am I a liar? Am I a phony? If I say that, I think it's a little white lie. I think it's fine. I think it makes me feel better about myself. It makes me feel a little bit smarter because I'm not so good at reading. All right. Which I attribute to having ADHD. Okay. And that's fine, dude. I'm not an idiot. I'm a smart guy. I think she's not good at reading. I don't know what that means. Anyway, listening to an audiobook uh, called, what is it called? Codependent No More is the name of it. Uh, I found it in a, in a TikTok comment uh, on a TikTok video I heard of somebody talking about codependency. And I just found what they were saying very interesting. Uh, and I didn't really, I mean, I've heard the word codependent before. And I always thought codependent was just the opposite of independent. But I guess the opposite of independent would be dependent, right? So um, maybe I am an idiot. But codependent... Uh, didn't mean what I thought it mean. You know, I thought, I thought it just meant like you just like need somebody to be around all the time or somebody to like cling on to. And, uh, but codependency is a different thing than that. And, uh, this book kind of goes into that. Um, although the book was written in 1987, uh, which, you know, so it's a little, uh, old school, little, you know, there's probably some stuff that could be added to it as far as like social media and, you know, in the modern world go, Um, But it is still a very interesting read learning about what codependency is, which um, it's pretty vague, I guess, what it is, because it's such a broad idea. Um, But essentially, it's like, you know, you know, those people who uh, feel like they um, have to be like caretakers for everybody or like feel the need to fix people um, or like attract those kinds of people to their lives, um, which I think I definitely have done before um, in like past relationships and stuff. And I still kind of have those tendencies, which is why I decided to pick up, pick up this audiobook um, because I just was really interested in, in more of that. And as I'm listening to it, they, they surround a lot of the ideas around um, alcoholism uh, and you know, people who are when codependency first started to become like a more talked about thing, uh, it was really around wives of alcoholics, um, and how, you know, that basically took over their entire life was like, they were controlled by their partner's, uh, alcoholism. Uh, and so, you know, it kind of consumed them entirely to become like this caretaker and, uh, felt that, you know, there was nothing they can do besides try to take care of, um, you know, their alcoholic partner. Um, so, but you know, as it goes on, it goes on that it's, you know, it's not just alcoholism. It can be a lot of other things. Um, it could be other, you know, mental illnesses and, um, you know, any sort of like baggage, I guess, which we all have. Right. So I guess there's definitely some gray lines. There are blurred lines. I don't know. Gray lines. Um, 
Yeah, I don't know, man. I just I find it very interesting. And as I'm listening to it, what I'm liking about it is that I'm listening to it because I'm interested in it, but I'm not finding all of it entirely relatable, which I think is a good thing, right? And I'm like, okay, cool. That's I don't really do that, um, but I, I definitely have some codependent tendencies for sure. Um, that uh, in all like aspects of my life, um, in terms of like in terms of work and my relationship and uh, my friendships and. Um, you know, my family, like, you know, I have codependent tendencies for all those things. And I've been thinking a lot about that and just like where that came from, why I'm like that. And, uh, I'm sure I I feel like that has to be a very common thing nowadays. I feel like it's almost like the ADHD thing. It's like, it's like who the fuck doesn't have it when we're, uh, we live the way we do, um, you know, like entirely online and, uh, being fed a bunch of information, especially around when we're talking about tons of different things about mental health, um, you know, and I think for me, uh, you know, growing up, I struggled with anxiety and eventually depression and, uh, you know, ADHD and things like that, where, um, you know, I, I always felt like different and, you know, things I've talked about on here a bunch, um, that I kind of always was attracted to people who I also, who like, you know, I found myself to be kind of like a broken person. Right. So I always kind of found myself attracted to people who were also like that. Um, because I felt like, Hey, they probably understand me, you know, when the people, a lot of people in my life growing up, I felt like didn't understand me or couldn't, um, that I felt myself like clinging to these kinds of people. Uh, and then from there forming this kind of codependency of like, Oh my God, I, you know, their problems are worse than mine. Who am I to complain about my own problems? And I'll have to push all my wants and needs aside to put this person first because, you know, I, I want to make sure that they're okay before I'm okay. Um, which is very unhealthy to do. Uh, and I still definitely do that from time to time. Not as bad as I I once was for sure. Um, but definitely interesting. So that's, that's a rec for you guys to check out, uh, is yeah. Codependent no more. Uh, got the audiobook on Libby. If you don't know about Libby, uh, not a sponsor, wish they were, that'd be sick. But Libby is a, like a e-library app. And if you have a library card, which you can get for free on like, if you're in Buffalo, the Buffalo, uh, library website you can just sign up for a library card and they send you the code for it immediately and then you can use that for a libby account and you can rent audiobooks or ebooks uh and you can even like download them to kindle and shit so it's super cool so i rent audiobooks all the time and that was i was listening to it on the way home uh on the drive back from south carolina from vacation and uh, I was listening to it a lot today while I was doing stuff around the house and it's really good and a lot of, a lot of very interesting stuff in there. So you'll probably, once I finish it, you'll probably hear me talk about it more. Um, but yeah, vacation was so cool, man. Uh, it was so nice to be able to get away. I feel like my life was just like, so go, 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 go. As you've heard me talk about a lot on here, I'm sure. Um, it was really great to be able to just kind of get away and, and, uh, decompress for a week and just chill and, drink a bunch of beers with my brothers uh, and all of our significant others and my parents and some friends and once my cousin's wedding in Asheville, North Carolina as well. Um, that was sweet. Yo, Asheville, North Carolina, very, very cool place. Uh, I've heard a lot of cool things about it before I went down there and I was excited to finally check it out. Super cool, very mountainous area, which I wasn't expecting. The weather was like perfect, like super like comfortable weather, which was awesome. Uh, and yeah, it's just a really, really interesting place. Um, and highly recommended if you're traveling around, go to Asheville, North Carolina. It's very cool. Um, more coffee shops. It's a very small city and they have 
more coffee shops than I've ever seen in like per square mile ever. I went to just look up like a regular, any old coffee shop and like I had so many options. I didn't really know what to choose from, but the one I picked was really good. Don't remember the name of it, but uh, I'm sure you can find a bunch of them. I, I ended up just like Googling like best coffee shops in Asheville, North Carolina, and just went to a bunch of different lists and then just found the one that was like common amongst all of them and went there. High five, I think it was called, something like that. Their logo was a hand. Anyway, Sorelevant. Um It's a good time, though. Uh, I didn't really have much to talk about besides uh, that today. So I uh, put up an Instagram story just now um, asking you to submit things that you want me to talk about, and I will discuss them because I was not prepared for this episode, and I just wanted to get one out. You know what I'm saying? So let's see. Uh, so we'll start off, uh, our friend Christine, she was on the pod recently. She, re- she wrote in and said, do you believe in true evil? To what extent is morality a social invention and can slugs feel love? Three very loaded questions. Uh, we'll take them one at a time. Do you believe in true evil? I do. Um, I believe true evil definitely exists. I, you know what? This is a great question too, because this is something I think about a lot or have thought about a lot, like my entire life. Like it was just like, I didn't, cause I always had such like a moral high ground and held myself to such a morally high standard that I didn't understand. Like I didn't think evil could naturally exist, right? Like it had to be some sort of like, um, manipulation or, or, you know, abuse or trauma that somebody went through that made them that way. Um, and I think that still is true to a certain extent, but it's gotta all stem back from somewhere. Right. Um, I mean, and maybe, you know, as we have evolved as human beings, like we've kind of become more, um, you know, self-aware and, and uh, become our morals, I think, have only gotten better, um, you know, to where like, you know, back in, you know, I don't know, let's say like the 50s and 60s when like physical abuse um, was like more like accepted and normal, um, you know, and now we've come a long way from that. So I think we definitely have improved. But I think I, ha- I have to assume natural evil does exist because I am such a person who believes in like the balance of the universe and you don't have a balance of the universe as everything is good. You know what I mean? It's kind of like that idea, like there is no light without darkness. Um, so I think true evil does exist. Uh, and I think it has to exist because I think that's what, um, I think that's what makes us like makes good happen. Right? Like we're like, Oh yeah. When this bad thing happens, it makes me feel bad or it makes people feel bad and we don't want people to feel that way so we have to correct for that uh and be better people i think we learn from that kind of thing you know um i think yeah in the face of evil we uh we can learn a lot from that and and like i just said about everything like about like going from like a time you know 60 years ago when physical abuse in the home was like a a normal thing and now it's not uh, or it's not as, you know, it's not an accepted thing, uh, anymore. And that's, I think we saw the evil of that. Right. And then like decided to grow from that. So, um, I think true evil does exist and I think it's necessary, uh, in a weird way. So that's my answer to the first question. Next we've got, uh, to what extent is morality a social invention? Well, that goes hand in hand with the first question, I guess. Right. About everything that I was just saying, I think, um, I think I, I almost would say morality is like 
entirely a social invention. You know, I think there are, th- you know, I think you have natural evil and natural good, but I think morality can exist without both. And I think that is like social invention of understanding the difference between the two. Um, and learning again, learning and growing from seeing and experiencing evil or wrongdoing. Um, yeah. So I think it is almost like an entirely social invention. Um, but I love social invention. I don't necessarily think that social invention means that it's something fabricated or bad. Um, I live for social invention, uh, and like social code and all of those things. And like, I mean, that's, what I live for. You know what I mean? That's why I like hanging out in cities where people live and, uh, people are a little bit more open-minded, uh, and things like that. So actually I think that kind of goes with that perfectly as well as like the difference in morals between people who like live in a city versus, I mean, and these are all just gross overgeneralizations, but between someone who live, you know, people who live in a city and people who live, you know, in the outskirts, uh, in the fields, in the country somewhere like isolated, you know, your morals are going to be a lot different. I think, um, because the people who live more isolated or their m- morality is going to be more isolated. It's going to be more towards like them and what affects them directly. Um, where I think in a city, your morality is more outwardly, uh, towards your environment around you uh if that makes any sense but yeah so i think that that goes along with the idea that morality is kind of a social invention um i would say like 99 percent of it is uh and that's why i think like religion is bullshit because it's like well i shouldn't say that but like organized religion is bullshit but like you don't need religion to be a morally good human you know what i mean like morality comes from other places besides religion and it can just come from being aware of your surroundings and understanding how your actions affect people. Moving on. Uh, can slugs feel love? That one I don't know. I'm not a biologist. Uh, biology was my worst class in college. Uh, I got a B minus uh, because I didn't pay attention and it was hard. Uh, science was always like a tough subject for me. Uh, not great at it. You know, not great at biology. I didn't even take chemistry because I heard it was hard. So I skipped it, went right to physics. And I liked physics. I was good at physics because physics is mostly math based. And I was very good at math. Um, But biology, like enzymes, like I still don't understand calories. I don't fucking know, dude. I don't know how any of that shit works. I, I, I know next to nothing about biology. It's my worst subject. If you ever hear me say opinions about biology, just remember, I don't know anything about it. You know, I liked math. I liked history, um, economics, uh, uh, government type classes, you know, um, English somewhat. I was, again, not a good reader. Um, my reading comprehension was pretty poor, but I really liked writing, um, which may, probably makes me not that great of a writer since I'm not, cause like I feel all the, you know, all the best writers are, are very avid readers. Um, but I'm not, uh, and I want to be because I want to be a good writer. So I try to force myself to read or listen to audiobooks. Went on a real tangent here. Oh, none of this matters. Anyway, don't know much about biology. Don't know slugs can feel love. Thank you for the question, Christine. Uh, Jay wrote in that he wants me to talk about my journey in comedy. Thanks, Jay. I've talked about this a lot in the podcast, but I'll um, tell it again. Fuck it. Uh, 
So growing up, I loved stand up. I've always loved stand up. It was like my second love to music. Um, without me ever really like knowing it, you know, it was just like always on. Um, we watched Comedy Central a lot in my house growing up, you know, House of All Dudes. Um, I think that was like Comedy Central was a very like dude or it was like, you know, pretty close to like Spike TV. Like it was all dude oriented stuff. Uh, and especially like the early 2000s. And I remember watching Comedy Central so much growing up and watching so many fucking good Santa specials. I mean, growing up in the 2000s, it was like, I mean, I remember experiencing Dane Cook, which I know Dane Cook is like under fire right now or whatever. And he, you know, his comedy probably hasn't aged too well. But I was like nine when his like first CD came out or whatever the famous CD was in 2004. Uh, And I remember one of my brothers had a CD of it. And I had imported it into iTunes and put it on my green iPod mini. Uh, And I remember listening to it all the time. Uh, And then like Daniel Tosh came around that time as well. And like Brian Regan and Jim Gaffigan. Uh, And I just really loved those guys. And I would like, you know, I would be able to quote and recite all of their specials like start to finish because I watched and listened to them so much. I actually was driving recently and I have Sirius XM in my car. Uh, and they're one of the comedy stations I was listening to had an old Dane cook bit. And I literally remembered it word for word. And it was hilarious because it was like, there were terms that he used that I didn't know what they meant back, back when I was a kid. Um, not in like an adult way either. They were just like bigger words that I just like hadn't learned yet. And he had used them. And I remember being able to recite them, but not knowing what they meant. And then listening to them now as an adult, I was like, Oh, I was like, I totally remember not knowing what that word meant when I was a kid. Uh, but I still like remembered every part of the joke, which was funny. But yeah, so I just always love stand up, and I just, you know, uh, when Netflix became like the big thing, that's when I kind of, you know, really got back into it again, because that's when I discovered like Tom Segura and, uh, Bill Burr and, you know, um, you know, when Chappelle came back to doing stand up, uh, that was like, yeah, that was all my shit. I loved, loved stand up. Uh, and so it was something I always wanted to do. And the first person I ever, well, the first person I ever knew, personally that did stand up was a guy named John Shuda, who is a Buffalo guy who now lives in New York city doing stand up there. And John and I went to grammar. Well, he went to grammar school with my brother. This is all such a long story for no fucking reason, but John Shuda did stand up and I was like, Oh shit, that's awesome. And then I didn't get to like talk to him for a while. And then Sam Minnie, who I had on last week was a friend of mine. And I found out she started doing stand up, So I talked to her about it. And then Max started doing stand up. I had him on the podcast and I talked to him about it. Zach Deach, who I haven't had on the podcast yet. He lives in Chicago, but hope to have him on someday. Um, and I had a conversation with him at the pink one night about starting stand up and about, and he was the one who really like gave me like, this is what you should do. Um, uh, which was just write jokes and go to open mics and try them out. Uh, and then the pandemic hit and then, you know, didn't get to do it for a while. And then when Max came home uh, from Spain and was in Buffalo, I just really, I was like, all right, I'm going to go check Max out at some open mics because he was posting about him, whatever. And I was super fucking depressed at the time. It was like, you know, that January, February, January and February is the time 
that I need to get out of the house. For everybody who ever wants to do anything with me, I'm very busy during the summer and the fall, January and February. I am so bored and I am so depressed and it's so dark outside and I hate it. So for future reference, but anyway, so I was, you know, uh, in a really dark place and, and just wanted to get out of the house. So I was going out, you know, during the week just to watch Max do stand up. And then I watched him do stand up at open mics and realized, Oh, um, you know, there's some people on here who I think I might be funnier than, but I can't really talk shit cause they have more confidence than I do. Cause they're up there. Right. Uh, and so then, you know, eventually I just started going up and, uh, then it was like, I fell in love with it immediately. And I, I got to a point where I was going to open mics every night. Like I was going out four or five days a week, hitting open mics, trying jokes. And then I finally got like a good set together. Uh, and uh, then I did like, you know, the Buffalo's Funniest Contest and, you know, get, made it through the first round. And then I started getting added on shows. Um, by the way, got a show coming up this Saturday night, August 27th at Babeville at Asbury Hall, corner of West Tupper in Delaware, downtown Buffalo. Um, bunch of funny comedians on that show. And I'll be on that. Um, and then I'll be on another show uh, in September at Providence Social that is yet to be announced. Um, but yeah, so. Um, and then eventually, I think uh, Zach Deach actually reached out to me and just was like, heard you finally started doing it. Good for you. Now just write as many fucking jokes as you can. Go to as many mics as you can. Make as many connections as you can and get on shows. Uh, and so that's what, you know, that 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 was the, the course of action. Um, so. Since the contest happened, though, I've kind of just been chilling. I went on vacation. I'm going to be hitting mics this week and then doing the show Saturday, and then I'm going on tour, um, maybe on some off days, or if I find an open mic in another city, I'll hit that up. But um, things have been going really good, man, and it makes me really happy. Um, I love doing stand-up. It's, you know, it's uh, – I've done – you know, I've only done a few shows so far and I've done a lot of open mics to a lot of full rooms and a lot of empty rooms. And I've done some jokes that have really not done well, but you know, every once in a while I get a joke that pops and it's the best fucking feeling in the world. Uh, and I'm just, yeah, I love it so much. I feel like it's, it's given me so much confidence in like my everyday life into just like being in public and like talking to people and like social interactions. It's like been so good for my anxiety in a really weird way. Um, so yeah, my, if that's that's pretty much the whole story of my stand-up journey where i'm at um and it's been it's been awesome and uh i can't wait to keep doing it and i hope i never stop and uh i hope it brings me some some more uh i don't know success i guess um but yeah it's really cool shout out stand-up comedy and the buffalo comedy scene who's been like super welcome welcoming uh and cool to me uh very very cool people in that scene all the people that run the mics and everything are very good people uh and it's a really cool community and i love making people laugh and i love entertaining people so um which is why we do the podcast bro okay thank you jay for writing in um my friend alex wrote in shout out alex bit of a serious one which i appreciate thank you alex for being uh writing in a bit of a vulnerable question here uh any perspective on grief and i fucked it up any perspective on grief and loss been going through it lately having a hard time very sorry you're having a hard time uh grief and loss are an interesting one for me and i always find myself struggling um when i'm either dealing with it myself or like around my friends or, or anybody who's dealing with it um And this actually kind of ties in with what I was talking about earlier about the codependent thing about like 
being a codependent or having codependent tendencies or being a codependent person, like it's uh, hard when you don't have a solution for like you want to help people, but if you don't have a solution for somebody, you feel like you're not helping them and you feel like it's not worth helping them. And that's something that I struggle with a lot. And that's what I find a lot of the times when like I have friends who are grieving or going through loss or, or anything like that. Like I don't know, I never know the right thing to say. And that's tough for me. Um, and I've gone through it myself, but you know, you know, I've been very lucky that I haven't, I've never lost anybody tragically. Like everybody I've lost in my life or that I was at least that I was really close to has, you know, were like grandparents that were very old, um, and lived like a very long life, you know, and then like got sick. And like when you have somebody who's like, you know, that you're close to that's dying of old age, I guess, or like, you know, is just very old and, and starts getting sick. You kind of grieve through that. And then when they finally pass, it's like, all right, it's like, you know, and then that was it for them, you know, and, and obviously it's still sad and everything, but it's, it's, it's kind of a smoother process, I suppose, because that's like the best case scenario, right? Like that's what we all hope for. We all know it's coming. Um, but when it's tragic, <clears throat> um, or like, you know, unexpected or, um, anything like that, it's, it, I, I've, I've experienced it a, a couple times with people who I wasn't like entirely close with, but like people I knew, um, and it's tough, man. It, it's weird. It's so hard to get through those times. Uh, it almost, it always feels like some sort of weird fever dream and like, uh, you know, like it's not real. Like you expect that there's, you, you wake up a lot thinking that they're still around, you know? Uh, and it's super tough and I wish I had better words to say other than, um, I'm sorry that you're going through that. I guess I would say surround yourself with people who, um, you know, provide good energy, uh, that are real, you know? Um, I think that's, that's a big thing that I always notice when you're going through like a hard time like that, you notice who like the real people in your life are, um, and who the fake ones are, you know, cause a lot of people might act like they don't have time for you or, uh, you know, might brush off or, but the people who like actually stick by your side through that kind of shit, um, and like, you know, want to help you through it and want you to have a good time and, 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 and feel good as, as good as you can through those things. Those are the, those are the, the best people. And those are the people you want around all the time. So, um, I hope that those people have shined through, through this time. Uh, and though, yeah, surround yourself with those people and, treat yourself, you know, through, through those kinds of times that those are the times that, you know, don't stress out about anything else because, you know, life is all you got. Right. So it's like, put on a movie that you really like and fucking toss your feet up and put on some sweats and eat junk food and just let yourself enjoy what you got while you got it, I guess. I don't know if that's the best advice in the world, but that's what I would do. Thanks for writing in, Alex. And also, like, hit me up if you want to talk more because I'm happy to be here for you. All right, changing gears entirely. <clears throat> My friend Kaylee wrote in, uh, what are your thoughts on eating hot dog in a movie theater? Quite the gear shift here. Um, here's my thing, dude. Okay, if you're going to a movie theater, now listen, I'm not here to tell you what to do. Live your life. Do whatever you want. 
However, I think, in my personal opinion, if you're going to a movie theater, you're eating popcorn, you're eating candy, and that's it. All right? I don't understand why movie theaters have, like, legit food. Like, Regal has, like, chicken nuggets and, like, corn dogs and, I guess, maybe hot dogs and maybe burgers or something. Like, dude, what do you do? No. This is, like, you're going to stink up the theater, right? The theater should only smell like popcorn. All right? That's it. If it starts to smell like a grill or a backyard barbecue in there, I'm out. I'm not paying attention to the movie. I'm looking around at who's eating it because I'm going to judge the shit out of them, you know? Don't eat, don't. Don't do that. Popcorn, candy, soda. All right, pop, if you want to call it pop. I don't give a shit. All right, the soda pop debate, let's get into it. Who cares? Stop it. It's a regional thing. All right, people in the Midwest call it pop. People down south call everything Coke. That's absurd. Who cares? Let them do what they want. All right, northeast and west and pretty much everywhere else calls it soda. All right, Buffalo, for some reason, we're like a Midwest we have like a Midwest culture here, even though we're in the Northeast. Uh, and like, we're also like Canadian somehow and we call it pop. All right. I call it both because I went to a school where people from all around had it and everybody would debate it. And it, all right, call it whatever you want. All right. While we're on that, that topic, pizza. All right. Listen, if you're from New York city, I get it. You like the thin crust. Okay. It's fine. That's fine. I like the thin crust too. It's good. But you know what? Buffalo pizza's got thick crust and it's also good, dude. Okay? And that's it. I don't understand. Also, if you want to eat your chicken wings with ranch, fucking do it. All right? What is with you? Well, who who are these people? Who are these people? Who are these people that care so much about what people are dipping their wings in? All right? These never ranch people? Get a personality. All right? While we're on that topic... If you ever go to a concert or um, any sort of crowd environment that is not a Buffalo Bills game and you start doing the Buffalo Bills shout song, go fuck yourself. Okay? Big Buffalo Bills fan here. Love the Buffalo Bills. They look so fucking good this year. Okay? They might make it. All right? I'm not going to say the words. I'm not going to say the SB words. But they might make it. They got the this the this is the year. If it is any year, it's this year. Okay, I love that fucking team. I love doing the Bills shout song at Bills games and at the tailgates and every time they score. If I'm at a concert and I hear you doing it, I hate you, and I want you to leave immediately. I that would if I had a concert venue, I would make security escort anybody who ever did that because you're the worst and you have no personality. Don't eat hot dogs in movie theaters. Moving on. Matt Sleds wrote in. He wants me to talk about the Oasis documentary. All right, Sleds. Let's do it. Me and Matt Sleds and Brendan Orr. Shout out Brendan Orr as well. And shout out Matt Sleds. Uh, We went to the North Park Theater. Speaking of movie theaters. uh, And we watched the Oasis documentary. That came out. It called Oasis Live. Or Oasis Nebworth 1996. Or something like that. Uh, and I think it was directed by like Ridley Scott's son or something, some like very famous director's son. Um, super sick documentary. I was high as balls when we went and saw it. We smoked a J in somebody's car. I think it was Brendan's car. And then we went in and we got our popcorn only. Okay. Uh, and I remember watching that shit 
and I felt like, I mean, the, dude, the North Park Theater, theater, first of all, is awesome. If you're in Buffalo and you've never been to the North Park Theater, go. It's a great, uh, great experience because it's like an old school theater. There's no assigned seating. There's a bunch of seats and they're like the old seats. They don't recline. They just bend down because that's all you need. Okay. And it's a giant screen giant like huge 4k screen and this super cool like historic building the sound is not the best because it's such a big building and it's so echoey so sometimes it gets a little but that's just me being being particular because i'm an audio nerd all right it's fine you'll probably think it's fine anyway north park theater is sick go there we go and see the oasis doc it is unbelievable i already liked oasis um you know, I like the songs. I don't get a lot of people shit on Oasis. A lot of people want to shit on Wonderwall. Listen, Wonderwall is one of the best, one of the best pop songs of our generation. All right, it's like Iris by the Goo Goo Dolls, Wonderwall. All right, those are the facts. Anyway, so I liked that band already, uh, and then I went and watched this documentary. Now, if you don't know about Nebworth, Nebworth to this day was the biggest concert for one single band of all time half a million people 500,000 tickets were sold for one band oasis um and it was at nebworth in nebworth england which i believe is the same place that green day did the bullet in a bible concert um which is also a sick concert it's just like this huge field uh in england and you know and oasis did two nights and it was 250,000 each night so that made it like the biggest one band event in history super cool um so i like knew about this but didn't know like all the ins and outs of it so the documentary goes into like everything it's really cool you get like um you know anecdotes from uh fans who were like talk about the ticket buying process which you had to do like over the phone and you had to go pick them up at a box office and uh you know, all this like shit back that you had to do back in the 90s that like i would never even think of because i've been buying tickets online my entire life uh and yeah, and then getting the train tickets to get there and then like the and then it shows, you know, the band like getting there and setting up and sound checking and all the stuff and then just like played these like amazing sets and everybody in the crowd just singing everywhere. And the footage that they have of this concert is nuts, dude. It's like it feels if you're watching it in a theater on a huge screen, it feels like you're there because of how like immersive the the footage is. It's like literally in the crowd, and, like it looks like you're like standing next to people. Um and it's really cool. And then I, I got the Blu-ray. I, I ended up buying the Blu-ray of that doc, and I've watched it a couple times since. And it, like, made me obsessed with that band, like, even more than I already was. And uh, I uh, I ended up actually, when I was in Toronto, I went to this really cool record store there um, when I was there with Spaced. And then they had uh, Morning Glory and Definitely Maybe on vinyl, so I bought both of those. Um, what a sick band dude uh and i feel like they definitely don't get talked about the way that they should because they really were like i think they just weren't as big in the u.s as they were in england and that's probably the the issue um but they really were like the beatles of the 90s at least in the uk uh and they're super fucking sick and i don't give a shit that people hate on them okay thank you matt sleds watch the doc all right um let's see my buddy jack shout out jack jack i know i apologize to you already but i feel like i need to keep apologizing because you came up to me at the syracuse show when super american played with neck deep and you were talking to me about the podcast um and clearly like you knew who i was um 
and for some reason I we've been following each other on social media for a long time and I just like didn't put two and two together and I was like hey man I'm Aiden and you were like yeah I know I'm Jack from Twitter and Instagram and I'm like oh yeah and I felt like such an idiot so I'm sorry about that uh, I hate when that happens anyway thanks for writing in Jack wrote in and told me he wants me to talk about the Goo Goo Dolls um, great I have so much to say so I love the Goo Goo Dolls and I always have um, I remember I mean I always like you know had heard their songs like my entire life I don't remember not hearing their songs but I didn't really understand what like that either like I didn't know that they were from Buffalo or I didn't understand what them being from Buffalo meant you know what I mean and uh, I remember I had a neighbor uh, growing up who was like really into them and uh, he had given me like a bunch of CDs like the old school CDs like Superstar Car Wash and he had like the live in Buffalo uh uh the fourth of july show like dvd and and cd and uh that was i I think it was that dvd the fourth of july concert uh in town square uh that was just fucking or niagara square i meant i think that's where it was i don't remember um but man it was such a sick concert uh and being and me being like oh my god that's like where we live you know like and kind of under made me understand like what this band being from Buffalo meant. Um, and I started to have this, like when I, I feel like when I was around, I was maybe 10 or so when this happened. And that's what kind of, when I started to understand what Buffalo was like in comparison to the rest of the world. Like I remember growing up like as a kid and thinking that like, cause I lived in South Buffalo and literally thought South Buffalo was like the entire world. Um, and so, you know, as I got older and kind of came to this, you know, started to understand like, you know, gain perspective on like how everything worked and like as far as like oh okay no i just live in the small city in this state in this country on this planet um and realizing and that's i just started to gain this huge appreciation for buffalo um i actually i don't know if i've ever told anybody this before but when i was in sixth grade i we had like a poetry lesson or whatever in in sixth grade at school and i had written a poem about how much I loved Buffalo and my teacher submitted it to like a young poets almanac or whatever, some sort of like young poets book for like to publish young authors. Uh, and I got published and I became a published poet at the age of 11, uh, because I wrote this poem about how much I loved Buffalo. Uh, so that's like where my love of the Goo Goo Dolls kind of tied in because like, I was like, Oh, these are like the hometown heroes. You know what I mean? And I was already like a lover of music and like, you know, uh, wasn't real into sports as a kid, you know? So, uh, the Goo Goo Dolls were like everything to me. And when I was in middle school, I was part of this school program that was um a rock band uh it was called rock ed and it was run by a guy named george olmstead shout out olmstead good dude um and he was friends with robbie and like music is art robbie from the google dolls his um that was like his organization still is uh the you know the music is art fest every year downtown um now it's at riverworks used to be at albert knox and we would play at the rock band the middle school rock band would play it every year so it was kind of like a school of rock program you know i was in like seventh grade and i played guitar uh and sang in the rock band and so one time robbie came to our school uh for to talk about music is art and uh and i like lost my mind i was like starstruck that he was even there and then I got to meet him and I had my guitar with me at the time and it was like a guitar I just got like I just got it for my birthday that year and it was uh, an Epiphone SG 
and uh, I had him sign it, and I still have it. It's in the case downstairs. I'll probably just always keep it forever, you know, as just this like um, amazing possession that I have that, and this great memory I have of meeting Robbie when I was in seventh grade and him signing this guitar for me. And then you know, playing music as art and and all that stuff, and then you know, years later, uh, meeting Jay Zabricki, uh who is an engineer at GCR, which is Robbie's studio, and he's super tight with Goo Goo Dolls, and then. Um, you know, and then, uh, Dan, shout out Dan McCormick, uh, literally like my best friend in the world. Uh, his uncle was the original drummer, uh, of the Goo Dolls up until, um, you know, a boy named Goo was the last album that he played on. So hearing all those stories, uh, about the early days and kind of like the turmoil there was really cool. Um, so there was all these connections that I made to the band, um, was just, I was just very grateful to have and i just like i still love that band so much gutter flower is still my favorite album uh superstar car wash is number two um and that's that's really all that matters to me is those two albums i love them so much uh and and then yeah and then when we recorded when post prom recorded who you pretend to be the goo dolls were demoing upstairs and we were recording downstairs with jay and charlie and i got to hang out with uh john resnick and you know heard a lot of stories about the guy um about you know and some of them weren't that great but uh my experience with him is you know he was a super nice guy um and i uh he was you know very cool to me and charlie let us oh insisted on us playing some of his guitars uh on the record so some of the i've I've talked about that in the podcast before that you know some of the guitars you hear on the record are literally johnny resnick's like fucking like really really nice guitars um that we got to play uh and it was super cool hanging out with him uh, and getting to meet him because he was like a hero of mine growing up uh same with robbie so uh yeah good good topic to send in jack uh love the goo goo dolls well uh forever love the goo goo dolls um oh yeah another connection i made that i just forgot to mention um my friend grace moser shout out grace her dad was bruce moser uh who was a uh independent music promoter in buffalo uh legendary dude and uh he kind of you know helped launch their careers and after he passed and grace was like um getting rid of some stuff uh you know going through old boxes and stuff she had a goo goo dolls hoodie um that was actually his and then uh, i took that off her hands and i wear it all the time uh and i feel super blessed to like have that um hoodie because it was bruce's and you know he was like super close with them and he was like a legend and you know grace is a very good friend of mine so it just has a lot of sentimental value for me so if you ever see me wearing that google dolls hoodie and you have like some sauce or drinks near me fucking watch out because that shit means a lot to me i can't have it get dirty let me take a sip of water i'm losing my voice we got a few more questions though <clears throat> All right. Jake wrote in, shout out Jake, for me to talk about dirt bikes. Listen, Jake, I don't know much about dirt bikes. I've never ridden a dirt bike, uh, but they seem cool. I see you riding them all the time on your Instagram, uh, and I love it. I love those. When Actually, I went out to dinner with my parents tonight, and my dad goes, hey, what's, what's Jake up to these days? I go, well, he bartends at Community Beer Works, and he rides dirt bikes, because that's all I know that you're doing these days, and um, good for you, man. It seems fun. Um, it looks super cool. I like seeing you riding through the streets in the city. Looks fun. Uh, I would love to ride one one day if you, know, you ever want to hang out and smoke some weed and ride some dirt bikes. I'm in. Um, that's all I got about dirt, dirt bikes. 
So, thanks, Jake. Thanks for writing in. All right, Charlie wrote in. Shout out, Charlie. Uh, Charlie said, talk about me for an entire hour. Could be interesting to some. Charlie, I'm not going to do that. <clears throat> but I will give you my great appreciation as a friend and a bandmate. I love you to death. Uh, I haven't, we haven't hung out in a while because things have been very busy, I think, for both of us. Um, but I hope we hang out soon uh, and write some songs again. Uh, and I know we're going to do that. Uh, Post Prom is going to be writing some new music soon. Well, we, Charlie and I have been writing songs independently. Um, we're going to get together and, and turn them into full Post Prom songs. I'm super excited about it. Uh, I'm writing music char- with Charlie is the best, and I want to do it forever. Um, although, Charlie, if I could ask one thing of you is to stop shit-talking Josh Allen. Um, for no reason. Listen, I don't know if it's, you know, some some childhood shit you got to work on or um, I don't know something that makes you desperate uh, to have to be such a hater for no reason at all to literally the best quarterback that we've ever had. Um, But please, please stop. Uh, That's all I, that's all I want. That's if I could change one thing, that would be it. Uh, Other than that, you're great, bud. Really good friend, really good guy. Uh, Go, Charlie and Josh Allen. Please stop doing what you're doing with Josh Allen. I don't like it. Nobody else likes it. Dan might like it. I don't. Um, also, listen, man. If you don't... This is this is for everybody now. If you don't like things, that's fine. You don't have to... You can just, you can just not like things. Uh, you don't have to be mean to anybody else about liking it because Charlie, I saw you be mean to Ryan Ormond, who is also a dear friend of mine because he's tweeted about something about modern baseball. Uh, and you have been for some reason decided that's the new thing that you don't like is modern baseball, um, which is absurd because I love modern baseball. And so do you, we've, we've bonded over modern baseball. So please, please stop doing that. Um, but again, for everybody, if you don't like stuff, that's fine. Um, you don't have to tell anybody. There's a lot of stuff I don't like. Um, and there there definitely was a time when I was a child uh, when I would post about things that I didn't like um, and shit on people for liking them. And it was just because I was insecure um, and had a lot of things to work on. But now I go to therapy and I don't do that anymore. Um, so maybe go to therapy and maybe stop, um, you know, telling people what you don't like because it makes them feel bad. You know, let people like things. Uh, that's it. Love you. Thank you, Charlie. All right, all right, all right, all right. All right, looks like we got one more here. Let's refresh just to make sure. Nope, one more from Grace Moser, who I was just talking about. Shout out, Grace. Uh, Grace said, talk about how you are moving to Nashville. I'm not moving to Nashville. Uh, but Grace and I talk about me moving to Nashville quite often because uh, I think I would I do think I would love it there. Although the idea of living in Tennessee does scare me, um, but I feel like Nashville is probably fine, you know. And I do, I find that a lot, you know. I, even on this drive, you know, I drove with my family down to South Carolina and back, um, and even you know driving through the red states and stuff. When you stop through like the the big cities, 
like they're great places man and and people aren't you know i mean north carolina perfect example like Asheville, dude very progressive place very cool people um really really enjoyed it same thing with uh you know charlotte i hear is that kind of place um uh Morgantown, I think West Virginia, where West Virginia University is, um, seems like that kind of spot, you know. So I, I believe every big city is, is probably decent, but you know, just the idea of living in Tennessee and knowing that like I can go to jail for smoking weed uh, really just doesn't sit well with me. Same thing, you know, and the abortion thing is a whole thing. Um, but I would, I think I would really enjoy living in Nashville. Um, and I keep it in the back of my mind all the time. I go, dude, I go back and forth between Nashville and New York City. Um, I do know I have to get out of Buffalo as much as I just went on a whole rant about how much I love this place, which I do. I always do. Um, I just think I need something else um, to just grow as a person. You know what I mean? Um, that's kind of, you know, I've just kind of been on this journey for a while of just like growth and, and trying to become just like the best version of me I can be. And I feel like I've, I've gotten there. Um within the the limits of Buffalo, you know, and now I want to go put myself somewhere else and see what that's like just for a little bit. You know, I'll always come back. Um, but I'm between Nashville and New York right now. Maybe I'll do both if I can figure that out. Um, not at the same time, of course, that would be insane. I would have to have money, which I don't. Um, but yeah, I, uh, I think about leaving a lot and I think about New York a lot and I think about Nashville a lot. Um, and I think I would love Nashville and I think, you know, I'm going to try to visit, I mean, I'm coming down to Nashville in October. Um, and grace, we're going to hang out. I'm stoked about that. Maybe I'll get a haircut. Uh, and for anybody who doesn't know that grace cuts my hair was probably just like, what the fuck does that even mean? Um, no, grace cuts my hair and she's very good at it and, uh, puts color in my hair and makes me look pretty. And I love that. Uh, and we bonded over that a lot and became good friends through that. Um, I mean, we were already friends, but we became way better friends. Uh, and yeah, so I plan on coming to Nashville a lot to visit. I just do. And especially once they get direct flights from Buffalo to Nashville, I'm there all the time, baby. All right. But right now I still haven't booked this flight to Nashville for when I'm going in October and it is a nightmare, um, because there's no direct flights and all flights are super expensive and they're probably just all going to get canceled anyway. Cause that's all that's been happening in the airlines. Hey, airlines figure it out. Thank you. Um, thank you, grace for writing in. Love you. Miss you. Uh, I'm glad that, uh, you are all settled in Nashville now and got all your things delivered. I've been following up on your Instagram stories and that looks like a nightmare to live through. Um, but here's to, better days shout out the google dolls <clears throat> guys this has been i am your friend i'm your host aiden liquor i'll uh i'll see you next week